I'd like to thank everybody for coming back to the Stories from Southwest Virginia podcast. Today we have a great episode. We're going to be talking to three different breweries up in Montgomery County, Virginia. Super excited to talk to them because anybody that has listened to this podcast in the past knows that I'm a big fan of breweries and more particularly the beer that is created within them. And the passions that we're going to talk about today, I'm sure, is going to get everybody pumped and excited to visit Montgomery County and the three breweries we're speaking to. So today, in, in no particular order, we're, we're speaking to the Rising Silo Brewery with Greg, the Eastern Divide Brewing with Brandon, and Moon Hollow Brewing with Hannah. So first of all, thank you all for joining me today for this podcast. I know I'm super excited to be talking about one of my favorite things on the planet, as I'm sure all of you are as well. So uh, welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure. So I know I gave just a, a tiny bit of an introduction here, but I guess we'll go ahead and start. And a lot of, I don't know, let's start with this first and let's go alphabetically. So Brandon at Eastern Divide, if you wouldn't mind just to kind of tell everybody a little bit about yourself and, you know, who you are, how you got this thing started and a little bit about your brewery. So I am Brandon Roberson. I'm the head brewer at Eastern Divide Brewing Company here in Blacksburg. We're located right here in the industrial park. Um, it's 3175 Commerce Street. A lot of people don't know where that is, but it's back in the uh, back in the cut a little bit. And I actually started working at Rising Silo under Hannah and Greg, and I was under their tutelage for several years. <laughs> and then Greg contacted me one day. He is actually uh, he was the brewer here at the time, and then he contacted me and asked me if I wanted to be the brewer at Eastern Divide, and we would swap, and he would go back to where he had originally set up and started at Rising Silo. So I've been here, this was literally at the beginning of COVID. It was a good time to make the transition. So we swapped places and I've been here for two years and uh, really enjoying it. And and yeah, so that's uh, that's kind of a little background from, from where I came from, so. That's awesome. So it sounds like that not only are all three of you different businesses, but you're also really great friends that actually got started out together then. Absolutely. We're the best of friends. <laughs> we had That's to be. Sweet. We, all live, we all live within two square miles of each other. <laughs> that is great. When, we were, uh, when we were all working together, that was more fun. But yeah. yeah, we're all like, our stories are all very intertwined, which is good that you had us all on together because you'll just have to hear about it once. That's perfect. It kind of reminds me of a like an independent movie I watched when I was a little bit younger called Crash, where it's like all these different stories of all these people. And you're like, this makes no sense because it starts telling one story after another. But as the movie continues on, everybody's interconnected in some way or another. So it's super cool. And it sounds like today is going to be just like that as well. So I guess going down the alphabetical list, I was kind of running through the alphabet in my head while y'all were speaking, but it looks like uh, Greg will be next. So if Greg, if you wouldn't mind to kind of introduce yourself a little bit to us. Yeah. Um, I'm Greg Zilski. I, uh, I'm at a uh, rising silo brewery. So I guess I'm a, a founder uh, not as much of a brewer at this point and owner. Um, and like Hannah mentioned earlier, I'm a dad now, so my life is evolving. Uh, let's see. We're also, you know, Blacksburg, Virginia based right off of Glade road. We're located on a working farm, which is unique. Um, and I think that's, that's my intro. Awesome. That's pretty cool that you work on a working farm. I think we'll probably try to dive into that here in a little bit and kind of learn more about what that's like because that's that's fascinating. It reminds me of a trip I took to Giles County, Virginia. I don't know if you all have heard of the Bad Apple, but it's oh, like yeah. this speakeasy. For those of you listening that maybe don't know, it's a speakeasy that was put inside of a barn on the middle of like this farmland and apple orchard area. So it's it's very interesting because you just drive up this dirt path and you end up at a barn in the middle of nowhere and there's this fine dining experience inside. It's crazy stuff. But Hannah, I don't want to overlap your introduction here. So if you wouldn't mind to introduce everybody to who you are and, and your brewery. Sure thing. Uh, my name's Hannah Lester and I am the brewer for Moon Hollow Brewing in Blacksburg. Uh, we're located in the old Price's Fork Elementary School, like right off of Price's Fork near McCoy Road. 
uh, our brewery is actually in what used to be the kindergarten classroom, uh, which is always fun for people who went to kindergarten there. Like now they come in and they're like, I used to run around here as a little kid and now I can drink beer here. Uh, so yeah, so I'm, I'm brewing there now. And um, I started in the brewing industry like five or six years ago by being a beer pourer at Rising Silo, where I like met Greg one day and I was like, hey, can I help you? Do you need any help with anything? And he's like, well, we'll pay you to pour beer. Uh, and then I just kept showing up and being like hanging out for brew days. And uh, so, yeah, so that's, that's a little bit of my backstory. And eventually I started brewing at Moon Hollow. That's awesome. That That's a super cool story to tell. And I, I think I might've mentioned this in a previous episode, but I, I tried my hand at like home brewing one time. It was awful. I haven't tried it since. So now I just go out and support the local businesses and buy everybody else's beer. So that way I don't have to ruin my, uh, the smell of my home anymore. My, my wife appreciates that. So I guess we'll start in reverse alphabetical order for this one, but I want to open up a round table discussion. And one of the things that, you know, everybody listening is probably going to wonder is what type of beers they can find at your brewery. So if you wouldn't mind talking about, I guess, some of your most popular beers and maybe your most favorite ones there and why it is you chose to produce the certain types that you do. Okay. Um, awesome. So at Moon Hollow, I try to brew like a really large selection of beers so that whoever's walking in, like they will find something that they like on tap. Um, so like, you know, we've got a lighter lager, we've got a Hefeweizen, we've got a milk stout, we've got an amber ale, um, obviously got to have IPAs. So we have a, like a variety of IPAs, um, what I really like brewing uh, is sour beer uh, and then saisons. And I love adding fruit, herbs, and spices to like any beer that I can. I won't do it to the German style beers. I would never, I'm very respectful, uh, but anything else, anywhere else I can get away with it. I'm putting in some like ingredient that I find strange or interesting or just really delicious. Um, and so I think that's sort of become Moon Hollow's niche in the Blacksburg brewing community is, is having one fruit beers and two like sour fruited beers. Nice. That's awesome. So it sounds like you would be a good fit for me too. Cause sometimes I hate to admit it, but I can be a little bit picky when it comes to beers. Like, I guess I have that range that I really like and I try to always find that. So typically I stick with like lagers. Uh, usually for me, the darker, the beer, the better. It's the same way with like my coffee. So, uh, that's great. And my wife in particular, can't stand the taste of beer, which really saddens my soul, but we're trying to find her that perfect beer that eventually someday, hopefully she'll like. So it sounds like that would be a great place to try to bring someone who has, you know, maybe not as well-versed of a palate that wants to try a different, uh, different styles to find what they like. Yeah, I think so. We have, uh, right now, probably our most popular beer, because you did ask about that and I forgot to answer. Um, so probably our most popular beer right now is we have a uh, sour saison with black currant and lavender blossoms added to it. Uh, and so it's really nice, fruity, jammy, and then it has like a really nice floral lavender smell to it. Uh, and you got to be careful with lavender because you don't want it to turn into like, oh, uh, like bath soap. Uh, but this one, it, it toes the line in a really nice way. And it definitely, I think, appeals to a lot of people who are their palate enjoys wine a little bit more than beer. So, you know, if your wife ever wants to come out and try our beer. <laughs> we will definitely make our way up to Montgomery County. I know there's a, there's a lot of things we want to visit. And I know before we started the episode, I was talking about visiting the Smithfield Museum up there. So when that time comes, I will definitely make sure to make a stop out to your brewery and, and see what we got. And hopefully, maybe we'll finally find something that my wife likes so we can enjoy a drink together. So... Uh, but thank you for sharing that information. That's it's fascinating to know that you're incorporating like lavender with a beer. I've not heard of that before. So it's it's great. I love hearing about these experiments.
experimental uh, processes with different types and flavors because that's one of the things that got me involved in the craft industry is because, you know, you can go buy these bigger name beers at like your grocery store, but they all basically, in my opinion, taste the same. And the reason that I like, you know, microbreweries and craft brewers uh, is, is because you're going to find things that you're not going to find somewhere else. And all of my favorite beers from each of the breweries I've ever visited are unique to them. So I, I, com- I commend everybody on, on doing things like that. So, and Greg, uh, I guess, how about you? So what types of beers do you primarily produce and, and you know, which ones are your most popular and, and why do you like producing those? All right. Um, well, before I start, I have to shout out to Hannah's style because I got to see a lot of that evolution. Um, and their stuff is, is always incredible, tasty, interesting, unique. I think the, the botanical effect <clears throat> that she has going on is super unique. And uh, I don't know if she mentioned it, but she does also use a lot of tea in beer, which is super cool and different. Um, and just, it's like another dimension for, for a beer experience out there. So, um, yeah, rising silo, we're, we're not that old, but it, it feels like we're really old because there's, we've had all these different people helping out and brewing and, um, influences and creative minds, um, over just a few years. So, uh, I guess I'll start with what I know, you know, is, selling best because you asked about some some favorites um last year was appalachia which is a a lager that we make that's kind of like a cider um cider beer hybrid so it's just like super light it has i think kind of the best of of both worlds when it comes to to those two products and then uh, right up there with that is our tree rider ipa um, so phil- philosophically, you know, we're on a working organic farm. So I made a decision a while back to buy all organic malts, um, which is costly in a couple of ways, <laughs> uh, as far as, uh, dollars and, and shelf life. Um, but we, we love it and it kind of adds to the uniqueness. Um, another kind of general thing at a uh, rising silo that we do is a lot of produce-based beers is what kind of call it. So um, there's always an influx of, you know, carrots, beets, um, squash, uh, peppers, all sorts of, you know, anything but the meat basically. Right. And, uh, and, and so we're incorporating a lot of those into, into beers and, and sodas and other products that we make. So uh, that's a lot of fun, but uh, you know, Hannah kind of nailed it also with the, um, just being approachable and having, you know, a variety for people to, to taste. Cause I think that, you know, and it is cool when there's a brewery that, that has a really tight niche market, but especially out here, you know, we're all, we're in the middle of Southwest Virginia, you know, so there's only so many breweries and we're trying to deliver a, a world of experience to the, the customers. So having a variety is definitely key. Um, and then what's fun is finding, finding what sticks and what you want to actually keep on all the time or what you want to rotate. So we have, you know, some, I, don't, I would say like core traditional beers that we keep on all the time. Um, like, you know, we always have a brown ale, um, brown chicken, brown ale, which is our, our favorite version of a brown ale, uh, the blonde ale, which is, you know, very similarly. So it's, you know, it's more traditional, but it's also sort of personalized as far as the way we like to make it, um, stout IPA, but then we'll have seasonals that rotate. Um, a lot of, a lot of those end up in that sort of produce beer category. And then, um, I'm really getting getting excited about like that Appalachia beer and getting a little more into fruit because we'll we'll see. But this past year was a really good year for apples. Um, so we actually got to use apples from the farm for that beer, which was fun. And then barrel work um, this year, uh, we have a, a limited space 
Uh, barrels actually provide a little bit of tank space and you also gain all sorts of um, additional flavors to your to your beers. So um, I'm hoping to get get more and more into barrel fermenting and, and aging as well. That's fantastic. And it, and like that, that's so cool. So you're utilizing the resources off of your farm and produce and things like that. And Hannah's utilizing a lot of these like herbs and spices. Like that's cool. Those are things that I would have never thought about in beer. So, I mean, typically we hear about like the hops and stuff like that. Occasionally some brewers got some little, I guess, secrets that they'll throw in, but it sounds like it's almost like to the degree of being like a chef how you can really fine tune these things with special ingredients to make that perfect flavor that, that yourself and others are going to love and enjoy or, and you know, just to be different and separate yourself apart. So I'm really intrigued to hear also what Brandon's got, if he's got any tricks up his sleeve as far as different things that he might utilize or do. So Brandon, if you wouldn't mind to, to answer on your side of things, you know, how, what types of beers do you primarily like to produce and, and what's popular and, and why you do those? Yeah. So I actually had a, uh, I had a pretty, I lucked out when I was brewing under Hannah and Greg. And in fact, I think they mentioned this in the interview when I interviewed with him, that he was talking about the variety that they tried to have in their menu and how important that was. So I've kind of carried that through my entire career and I've tried to, you know, do that as well here at Eastern Divide. So we have a lot of different beers. It's all about variety, but I kind of err on the old school styles of, of, you know, old world lagers, old world ales. Somebody mentioned at one point we were the IPA brewery in Blacksburg. I don't know why, you know, that's been a, IPAs are always kind of a struggle, <laughs> you know, because you never know what you're going to get with a combination of hops until you actually get the final product. So, um, and that's been our best sellers. Our hazies have always been the best sellers. Our Fireside Hazy is consistently our bestseller over time. And right now we have a double hazy that has uh, has outsold everything. It's been really popular. Um, people are really liking it. It has a lot of flavors of it. It tastes almost like, you know, orange juice, just as that juicy and different stuff like that. So, which was a struggle. Hazies have always been a struggle. Um, it took us about a year to kind of get that entire process down. Um, just through trial and error we got to that point and once we got it down it's now it's like now some beers we don't want haze in we get haze just because of the way we hop them and, and everything and dry hop and do all that kind of stuff so um, that's kind of been our specialty one of my favorite beers uh, consistently has been actually um, you know some of these old world styles I had opted into as being our quintessential light beer is actually a Kolsch and the reason I did that is because when I was you know early in my, you know, traveling the country and visiting breweries, I had a Kolsch that was brewed the true German way. And it was one of the best beers I've ever had. And I've never forget, forgotten that beer. And so when I came here, I said, I gotta, I gotta try to do a Kolsch. <laughs> so that's one of our best sellers. Everybody really loves it. We direct people in that direction every time they're, I don't, I like light beer. I'm not a big IPA drinker. And we turn them towards the Kolsch. They love it. Uh, recently we did a Keller beer which is kind of a tricky style and not a lot of people even are familiar with the style, but they actually love the beer because it's just intriguing in a way because it's unfiltered, it's naturally carbonated. Um, and we're able, we have the capability to do that here. We have some serving tanks that behind the bar that we are actually able to kind of put the beer in there. We don't have to worry about packaging it. Uh, we just added the, you know, the, the sugar there and let it naturally carbonate. And then once it was done, we chilled it, crashed it, and we served it. And so that was a great beer and that one's been really popular as well. But I always kind of try to stick to having a good variety in the, in the menu. So a number of fruited beers, we have a fruited sour, we have some barrel aged sour stuff, you know, a lot of quintessential styles. We have an Irish red ale, we have a, we have a uh, Imperial Brown ale right now that's, that's doing really well, you know, different things like that. Um, stout, we always try to have a stout on, you know, just, but try not to go too heavy in any direction you know, nothing kind of drops my spirits more when I travel to a brewery that I'm really excited about. I show up and the whole menu is hazy IPAs, stouts, and, and crazy sours. And I'm just, there's nothing in between. There's no alternative. And that's kind of all that's, we try to avoid that as best as possible. We try to make it to where our clientele here 
they come in, no matter who it, no matter who it is, it could be somebody from Richmond, it could be somebody from California, New York, uh, you know, a professor here that maybe from Germany, you know, or something like that, and they come here, no matter what, somebody's going to find something on the menu. That's kind of always been our direction we try to go. Yeah, that's fantastic that you have a lot of variety in things. And and I was trying to look, and, and y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like along with a variety of beer, I mean, the best thing I can think of to pair with a beer is good food. So it looks like all three of your breweries also serve food as well, correct? We do here at Eastern Divide. We have a kitchen in-house. <laughs> uh Moon Hollow, uh, we have a sort of combination. So we don't have our own kitchen, but we do work with food trucks. And then we have a uh, Mexican grill that's like right next to us. So we're in the old kindergarten classroom. They're in the old cafeteria slash gymnasium. Uh, So people can always order food from them and they will actually run it over. The name of the restaurant's El Ranchero. They're really awesome. Uh, But yeah, we, we also try to get like a little variety. So we'll try to get like, we aim for once a week getting food trucks to come in and do like one or two days with us. Uh, So yeah, we, we don't have our own kitchen though. We have um, the farm kitchen on site at Rising Silo Brewery called Farm and Forage. And uh, that's, that's up and underway and and going well. We're putting out a, there's a, a wood fired brick oven that we, that we built years ago out on the patio so we're we're making uh sicilian style pizzas out of that and then recently started making burgers um with beef from who farted farm i did say that i did say that the right way and uh, <laughs> and, uh i call it hoof hearted <laughs> <laughs> and uh and that's been that's been going great um, just super tasty. The fry program's really fun. I never realized there was so much to making quality fries. So we're trying to have the, the best, best fries around, you know, we'll see, you know. Um, and then what food wise, I need to backtrack for like a second though, cause our, we're based on this farm. Um, we're at two, three, five, one Glade and there's kind of three operations out there. So Glade Road Growing is is the working farm. JP and Sally run that. Um, and then there's the, the brewery. And now the kitchen is now kind of also um, under my scope. But at the same time, they're, you know, they're their own crew. They're killing it. I, I, can't, I can't keep my arms around them. Um, and then also beer-wise, I forgot, like, to, I mean – we we have uh i'm i'm not currently brewing at this point i'm kind of back i'm kind of off again on again off again on again it feels like at rising silo but uh Alyssa um honor is brewing and she she's spectacular and she's actually there's just a component to our styles that i forgot to to really touch on but she's bringing us into the future i will say with beer styles uh cuz i you know, Brandon was talking about hazies uh, as an example, and I didn't have my heels dug in completely, but I was definitely slow on the uptake with some of this stuff. And uh, Alyssa's doing a fantastic job, and it's really fun to watch her grow as a brewer. And Hannah is helping train Alyssa on all sorts of stuff, and they have collaborations and pink boots sometimes, and that's been really fun to, to see as as far as a, a brewing community is concerned. I like the fact that you throw out the word community there because that's, that's a common theme that I say on a lot of these episodes is that, you know, the communities that exist in Southwest Virginia are f- just tremendous. Like there's so many of them and it's, it's awesome to see all these different people coming together to work, especially in like this realm where otherwise you would think from the outside that it would be very competitive. But in fact, it's very friendly in a lot of ways here too. So too hard to be competitive. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that's awesome that, that you all have these uh, intertwined stories and, and we kind of hit on a few of these things earlier. So I guess as far as this next question goes, maybe not so much of how you got started as why you got started. What was it that made you decide, I, I want to get in the business of beer and, and this is what I'm going to do next. And I guess, Greg, we, we could start with you on this one. Oh, geez. All right. 
Hi, David. Uh, okay, so why did I get started in the beer business is the question. Okay, uh, I'm going to try to go for a quick, short version. But uh, So I, I was experimenting and homebrewing a lot through college uh, with a roommate of mine and uh and some other friends and we would destroy rental kitchens and make homebrew and pour it out and drink it and everything but sell it basically and that was sort of a hobby uh graduated college um and my wife jess and i decided to stick around in the area and just see if we could hack it because we love blacksburg um so i ended up kind of stumbling upon uh, the farm, uh, two, three, five, one, and was actually building a patio, the the patio where our tap room is at this time. And I guess, you know, the, the thing that got me into it, I guess it would just be like inspiration as far as that particular place. Um, it was sort of, a an open space and this up and coming farm project, and I'll say, you know, it still provides an endless supply of projects and I love projects. So just really wanting to, you know, my, my thing was how can I spend more time at this place? Like what's, what could I do to plug in and contribute? Because there were people growing food, there were people cooking food, there were people uh, working with wood, making furniture and different things. Uh, there was a solar installation operation out there baseline solar um all these different up and coming things were going on um and so i was like well you know i've been home brewing and i wasn't you know anything spectacular but i started bringing homebrew out there and uh giving it away and and talked to uh, pat bixler who's sort of the man behind the curtain up until now uh, we got to talk about Pat. He's the man. Um, he, he's the property owner out there and, uh, and we all, we all work with Pat. Um, I, I still work with Pat as well. Uh, but he, he allowed me to, to build a little system to effectively homebrew out at the farm and, and, uh, and I got to, to plug in and just start doing stuff out there and basically coming up with an excuse to, to show up there and, and eat more farm lunch with the crew and, and work on stuff and break stuff and fix stuff and, um, start developing. So that, that sort of steamrolled and, um, snowballed into where, where we are today. Um, the story is much, much longer for sure, but that's, that's the origin of it for me was basically discovering this, this space with these people, you know, JP and Sally, the farmers, just super inspirational, hardworking, um, driven people who are dedicated to very pure, you know, things and crafts, um, that they're, they're still developing to this day. So at this point, we're all kind of raising kids together, which is really wild. Um, because, you know, we're not staying up all night, drinking beer, building various things. We're, uh, <laughs> putting kids to bed. That's a fantastic story. I absolutely love that. Uh, just, you know, hearing about everybody's start and everything that they do is is always one of my most intriguing pieces to into learning and, and finding out how these journeys actually work. So th- thanks for sharing that with us. And I guess, Hannah, if you wouldn't mind just to kind of, you, you hit on it a little bit, but I want to hear more about like your, your love and passion behind the brewing. Sure. Um, yeah, so... As a kid growing up, obviously when I was 21 plus, um, I didn't really know that there was like this thing called craft beer. Like I thought Blue Moon was probably like the pinnacle of what like good beer tasted like. Um, I was wrong and that's okay. No shade to Blue Moon though. I still like to drink it. Just don't drink it that much. Uh, So my uncle started homebrewing And I did not know that you could like brew your own beer at home. And I had always been really, really into cooking. I was like obsessed with it. I'd tear up my parents' kitchen, like just making an absolute mess. And I'd be like, here, I made you dinner. And they'd be like, thanks so much. 
You're like, yeah, you can do the dishes. Like, it's fine. I got homework. Um, so yeah, once I learned that there was this thing called craft brewing and home brewing, I became sort of obsessed with the idea. Um, and I started trying a lot of craft beer. I started brewing at home. And then, yeah, when I moved to Blacksburg about seven years ago, I heard about this farm brewery called Rising Silo. And like I said before, I showed up and I just said, hey, how's it going, Greg? I still remember that like exact moment. I don't know if I've yeah, because I was supposed to meet Jess, Greg's wife, and she was <laughs> running late, and Greg didn't know I was showing up, and I was just awkwardly talking. Hey, don't kill the magic for me. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I just wrote my own version of the story where this you This is the real version. Away, <laughs> there was no appointment, and you were just like, hey, I would like to volunteer here. <laughs> and I looked at you, and I was just like, who is this amazing person? And then you, within, like, no time, we were like, this is this is not a volunteer situation. You're like you know. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. So I, yeah, I started pouring beer there and, uh, and yeah, like I said before, I would just, Greg would tell me, Hey, I'm brewing today. And I would show up and like, I somehow it was always the brown chicken brown ale that we were brewing. (laughs) So I saw like four renditions of that before I saw any other beer get brewed. Uh, but yeah, they got like busy enough, uh, that they, Greg needed like extra, full-time help and so I became like the tapper manager slash brewer's assistant and Greg just kind of threw me in there and like gave me some guidance said start brewing <laughs> no I'm kidding there was more than that but third <laughs> <laughs> training full educational. Yeah. so yeah I mean if you basically if you go to rising silo you will become obsessed with craft beer and decide you have to join the industry <laughs> So be careful. <laughs> I really love that story. And, and I, I can con- kind of resonate with it on a certain level is I remember being in high school and I was really into music. It, it's always been a huge part, and a huge influence in my life. But I always thought that music existed what you heard on the radio. I didn't realize that like there was local bands and, and like these underground indie bands. So a friend of mine actually got me introduced to it. The first ever like real concert I went to was at a community center. So they had just rented it out and it was like five bucks to get in. You got to see like five or six bands and they were mostly like high school and college kids with like really cheap equipment. But it was just this whole world that I was exposed to and fell in love with. And it sounds like that craft beer is very similar to that as well. Just getting around and seeing what different people are into and, and this whole community effort is, is, is astounding and just a wonderful thing. So that, that, that's a really great story. I love that. So I guess, Brandon, that uh, leaves us listening to see what your story is, how you got into this whole brewery thing and, and what it is behind beer that makes you so excited. Yeah, so mine goes way back. It's uh, it's actually kind of a funny story. When I was when I was a kid, I grew up in Richmond, um, and I had a chemistry teacher in high school that said brewing wine and beer is just chemistry. This is all you got to do. You just take grape juice and throw some yeast in there, and that makes wine. And I'm sure he was scared to death that some kid was going to be stupid enough to go home and actually try it. But you know, at 16 years old. I was that kid. I went home, <laughs> tried to make wine at 16. Uh, my dad found this jug that was bubbling away and was like, what is this? And uh, it was wine. I got in a bunch of trouble. <laughs> and, and so I, I eventually the next year I joined the military. I joined the military at 17 and I was stationed in Montana. And that kind of took me out there. And back in 2000 and you know, 2006 to 2009, they were kind of at the forefront of the craft brewing industry right there, Colorado, right up there on the Rockies and and in the West, every town had its own little craft brewery. So there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of cool beers out there that I got to try right when I turned 21. That was really exciting for me that, like you said, I didn't know there was a whole world out there. I was like, what is this? You know, there's, there's more than just yingling out there, you know, and uh, there's a beer out in Montana called Moose Drool, and that's a it's a brown ale that you'll see that sticker. A lot of people, people from Montana, are really proud of that beer. You'll still see it to this day. And and but one of the big beers I uh, I was drinking out there was Fat Tire, and from New Belgium, and it was like Budweiser. It was everywhere. Every bar had Fat Tire, you know. And then I moved, got out of the military, moved back to Virginia, and I got here, and I said, 
where's the fat tire? I had no idea like distribution was a thing that you had to deal with, especially in Virginia. Yep. There you go. <laughs> See? And yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, and I didn't know that. So I go up to the beer store. I'm like, where's the fat tire? Where's the fat tire section? And he's just like, yeah, if you want fat tire, you're going to have to either go somewhere where they sell it or, uh, you're gonna have to brew it yourself. And I just said, that's weird. Uh, brew it yourself. What do you mean? Again, I thought like a lot of other people, it's legal to brew your own beer. You know, it, it sounds illegal when you said it, especially back then, but, um, he goes, yeah, dude, you can go get just a homebrew kit or whatever. And, and, uh, I was telling my dad this story and he just laughed and then he ended up getting me a homebrew kit for Christmas. And he said, well, since you tried to make wine when you were 16, I figured why don't you actually do it legally this time and do it right. So here you go. Here's a, here's a homebrew kit. And so I took that made, you know, my first batch of beer was supposed to be a fat tire clone. It was absolutely nothing like fat tire. It was horrible tasting. You know, it was just everybody's classic homebrew story. <laughs> you know, the first one they make sucks, but you know, that kind of led into a love of craft beer. And then, you know, being there in Richmond when the craft brew industry was really growing in that city was kind of cool. Cause it was, I mean, it was every other month there. It seemed like a brewery was opening, you know, there for a while. And, and uh, I made a decision a couple, uh, maybe about four years ago to move to Blacksburg. And I got here the first day I was here, I actually went to rising silo and was said, Hey, you guys hiring? And they were like, no, we're not hiring. And I was great. <laughs> so, so I left <laughs> and then, uh, and a couple years later, I worked in a, in a, a, another bar here as a bouncer for a few years. And, and I saw a job opening for this brewery that, that a friend of mine had sent to me and said, Hey, they're hiring. You should go apply. And I said, huh, that's crazy. So I went there, I looked it up. They were hiring a seller worker and I went in for an interview with Greg and Hannah sat down. And, uh, I really, <laughs> to be honest, I don't know if I actually ever told him. I was like, I didn't, I wasn't confident I was going to get the job. I was like, I don't know. I, th- I always kind of feel like I, they're going to look for somebody who's actually been a brewer or been in the, in the industry a while or whatever. And then, they called me, I think it was a couple of days later and they said, Hey, uh, how do you want to, when do you want to start or what? So I went in and, and started and worked with them for, for several years. And they, they taught me pretty much everything, everything that I know now, you know, so I'm sure, uh, Hannah was the one that had to deal with all my screw ups there for, for, for a while. <laughs> she had you did to great. Teach. You were great to teach. You were very easy to teach. <laughs> <laughs> and you were willing to do everything. <laughs> you have skills beyond. Yeah, it was. Uh, I remember one day I was brewing at Greg. Um, I was brewing a double IPA, and I was like, it was like my second brew day or something. And Greg and, I, and he comes in. And he goes, "Hey, how you doing?" And I said, "Oh God, I just felt like so confused." I was like, "Man, I don't know. I don't know how this is going." He's like, "You'll be fine." And he just, <laughs> "I'm going home." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> Are you supposed to be That's moderate? So Greg. That's great style. <laughs> and, uh, and he just left. And I think I went out to look for him. And they were like, oh, Greg went home. And I said, what do you mean he went home? And it's like, <laughs> he's supposed to be here helping me. And, uh, and no, I mean, it was fine. You just said, you know, a lot of brewing is, is just thinking about what you're going to do, thinking the pathway of how you're going to do it. And then common sense kind of takes you the rest of the way, you know, if you, if you really do that. So he kind of, he kind of just, he was, he's definitely one of those push you out of the nest and, and let you figure it out kind of, kind of way of training. So I was really appreciative of that, you know, later on. <laughs> I think it's funny that, you know, you were that nervous about the interview. Cause I remember your interview being like one of the most relieving interviews of all time. Cause it was just like, Oh, like there he is. Like, you know, like this yeah. guy. And then, yeah. you know, what's really unique about this group right here is, I mean, just, you know, as far as talking back back about Blacksburg and brewers and brewing, like, I mean, you guys are just so blatantly driven and passionate. You know, it's not just about like, oh, I thought it would be cool to get a job at a brewery and like see where it went from there. Like, no, like you guys are both shining examples of people who are like genuinely interested and willing to like go through the the farm system, you know, like grinder it it hazes you on its own like that's part of me just kind of giving you space with it because it's just like yeah i mean you know if you blow a gasket i know i'll get a text message and i'll be out there fixing it or whatever but um but yeah it's it's definitely it's impressive and it's really exciting to be in this 
the situation chat, you guess. Yeah, it was, we talk about this all the time, but it is so funny that we all kind of brood on that same system. And I wish everybody who learns to brood <laughs> on that system because everything is manual. Everything is, you know, it, it's, it is not automated. And that actually helped me considerably think you had to think about every single thing you were doing because you were the one physically flipping the valve, turning the pump on, doing this, doing that, monitoring things. It was nothing was automated. So I think that was really, that was really cool that I got to start there. I really appreciate it for that, you know, so. So thanks so much for sharing that story. I, I thought it was awesome, especially to hear like at such a young age at like 16, kind of experimenting with different things and, and trying to make your first batch of wine. Like I, I know that that's one of those things where you try it for that first time. It, it reminds me of this movie I saw a few years ago called October Sky with the, the boys from West Virginia trying to launch their rockets. And I think about that, you know, the first rocket they shot and it just explodes. And then time after time and to the point where they finally created this piece. And in your case, I guess a product or, you know, this, this piece of art really that, that is something you could be proud of that you could stand behind. So that's really cool to hear all three of your stories and your backgrounds of how you, you where you started to where you are now. So now I'm going to offer up for whoever wants to go first on this one. But uh, thinking about where you've came from, what are some of your plans and visions for the future? Where, where do you see yourself in maybe the next five to 10 years with your craft? I, I can go if nobody wants to jump in. Um, so... For me personally, I love working in Moon Hollow. I love brewing there. Um, something that I would like to focus on more in the coming years is actually like craft beer education. Um, and particularly like what I mean when I say that is we get the question as craft brewers constantly of like, how did you get into craft brewing? Which is a fair enough question because there are a lot of different and sometimes like unknown pathways to get into brewing. So a lot of times you start out as a home brewer and then you have to find connections in the brewing industry and you have to like, you know, beg somebody to give you a job in this really, really competitive industry. And when you look at other career paths, I think a lot of times like you would never ask a doctor, like, how did you become a doctor? You know how they became a doctor. They went to undergrad, they went to med school, they like were an intern, they were a resident. Um, so for me, I think that the gateway to becoming a craft brewer is barred to a lot of people because they don't know how to get into the industry. Obviously, like I'm a woman in craft beer. Um, a lot of times I get questions from like other women of like, how do you even get into this industry? So in from my perspective, I think helping to standardize a way of like starting in the craft industry by like, for example, getting a brewing, like a practical brewing certificate um, would be a way that you could uh, allow a lot of people from like a more diverse background to come into the brewing industry. And that's super, super important to me. And that is what I would like to uh, focus on in the coming years as well as like, I love brewing beer for me. Like it really like fills like all my wildest dreams of like imagining myself in a workplace. And I want to try to help other people like fulfill that dream as well. Cause I think craft beer should be for everybody. I love that. I, I think having that educational aspect is, is definitely something great because you know, like hearing about some of your stories of just kind of that trial and error uh, exploration of the craft, having the ability to go somewhere and learn more about it and have that knowledge out to people, I think is something fantastic because definitely within the beer and the brewing industry, like it's not something that's going to go away. If anything, it's just going to keep to get bigger. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a fantastic idea. And I would love to see, you know, over the coming years, how how you can develop on that and um, I know there's definitely lots of people out there that be very supportive and helpful of a maneuver like that so so awesome great great example thanks 
Yeah. And I actually, so last year I got retroactively in a way I got a like brewing certificate from uh, the university of Richmond slash Virginia tech. Uh, and that was really, it was fun. It was like a nine month program. And I think I went and I took class once a week um, and they're super, super nice. And they actually asked me to uh, be an instructor on one of their courses or like their modules for this coming cohort. And so I'm really excited to also dabble in that. You know, it's been a while since I taught someone to brew, like a couple years since I taught Brandon how to brew. And uh, yeah, I miss I miss that camaraderie as well because I am the only brewer at Moon Hollow. So I'm alone a lot of the time. So I like call my friends and be like, what are you guys up to? Like, what's going on? Like, what's up in the brewing world, you know? That's really cool. And I think that does set a great example of what it's like to be here in Southwest Virginia is, is you know, what you're talking about is just passing down and uh, carrying on traditions with others. And we see that a lot within our artwork, our our craftsmen and our artisans, our musicians. So it's really cool to hear that connection in the brewing industry as well of passing on and carrying on those traditions for years to come. All right. I guess Greg or Brandon, would one of y'all like to jump in and talk about your future plans of what you'd like to see happen? Go ahead, Greg. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um yeah, uh, all sorts of dreams and hopes, and I think, you know, plan-wise, there's definitely a few um, that are believable enough to to share. Um, so I guess you know, talking back at the space where we're at at two three five one Glade on that property, um, <clears throat> coming back sort of after swapping tagging out with Brandon on uh on brewer locations positions and then taking on rising silo um myself with with my wife jess and uh in this past i want to say year and a half or at least solid year um the kitchen has come on as a as a big project so we have some some great folks in there that we're working with um and uh josh elliott he's he's managing the kitchen and i've been working with him and just feeding it you know a lot of love and attention and i'm really excited as far as where it's going but i'll say that you know i think the next step is to really start to be able to integrate and and play back and forth among the the projects out there so between the kitchen and the farm and the, the brewery operation, because they are, they are related and they do work well together and there's a lot of shared spaces. Um, so like, you know, like it or not, you're working, you're working together, but really, really trying to get into a little bit more as far as, um, that the experience that the customer is going to have coming out there. Um, so everything from the infrastructure itself, keeping that, you know, maintained and, and developing the, the outside spaces, the inside spaces, all of that to, uh, to also, you know, beer pairing dinners, eventually um, working more and more with the farm on the, the menu, which we're doing, we're doing a decent job of, but, you know, really getting to where, uh, you know, we are, we're integrated fairly seamlessly Um with the farm on what's coming out of the fields and knowing when something's going to be fresh or when something's going to be in, in surplus and excess. Um, so I feel like we have, we still have our work cut out for us to, to, to kind of perfect the experience and um, you know, the work life kind of like what Hannah was talking about, you know, like the day to day lifestyle and experience from from the standpoint of a a job is spectacular. And I think, you know, everybody out there also, um, for the most part, it's, it's like, you know, the only thing holding you back would be yourself. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a beautiful industry to be in and, and, and we have great places that we get to work and the, the, the room for creativity, um, as well. So, so I think, you know, for us future wise, at least immediate future, is to just continue to try to to guide things 
you know, to be able to, to grow together. Um, and that way we all, we all get a richer and richer experience, like, you know, as it goes. Yeah, that's great. I mean, just hearing all of y'all talk about these things and, and about how this works, like, you know, there's, there's a lot of stigmas sometimes when it comes to like breweries and, and bars and things. And we've talked about this on, I think the previous episode, when we were talking to some brewers from Franklin County that, you know, breweries are very family oriented. You know, uh, I, I know a lot of my favorite breweries to go to even allow dogs to go, which is great for me because I know my dog loves to travel. She's very social and loves people. So seeing this willingness to open up to others and, and be inclusive of so many people is, is just a great thing. And I think, you know, a lot of crafters like yourselves are doing a great job at breaking down these barriers and showing people that, you know, this is not just going out somewhere to drink a beer. This is going somewhere to enjoy something that was carefully crafted and planned and just to have a good time with friends and family. And I think that's a wonderful thing to be able to to showcase that and, and to involve so many people on those levels. So so great job to y'all for that. And Brandon, I guess if you want to hop in and tell us about some of your future plans that you've got coming up and uh, and, and see what we got going on out there. Yeah, as, uh, as always, we're always trying to innovate and trying to, you know, come up with new stuff that, you know, my, one of the things they first asked me when I, when I came here is, you know, what, what do I want to do here at Eastern Divide? And, um, one thing I've always been pretty adamant about is taking those beers that you find on the West coast or in Richmond or in Asheville or any of these other, you know, big brewery hotspots that, uh, that you hear about all the time and bring them to the Southwest Virginia area. And that is, uh, I think that's, you know, you're seeing more and more. The scene here is growing, you know, really, really fast. A lot of the breweries are really great. Everybody's getting along. The camaraderie is there. You know, we all talk to each other fairly frequently. You know, I go down to Roanoke here and there and I'll, you know, pop in and, you know, a lot of the pourers will, you know, recognize me or, or some, some people I haven't met or some people I have met and they, you know, oh, hey, Brandon, what's up? You know, it's, it's you know, good to see you again. And they recognize me and I recognize them when they come through the door. So the community is really small. And that's that is part of the uh, the allure of this area is that it's actually such a small community that, you know, I want to see it grow. I want to see it continue to grow like that. And that's one of the, the, the long term goals. of that. And I think the way we do that is by putting it on the map, by becoming this place like this isn't just Southwest Virginia it's you know, a place that Miller light is served everywhere or something like that. You want to have that place that people say, you know what, if you want a good hazy IPA, any of these breweries are great and go there. You want a good sour, any of these breweries they have, they ha it's all there. It's worth coming here, you know? So, um, that is one of my long-term goals. And then piggybacking off of what Hannah had said is, is for me personally, increasing my education. One thing I really love about this industry is that it's, it's constantly developing you never actually have, you think, you think you, you got something down, but then you realize you can refine it just a little bit more. You, you think you got a great recipe. You realize that maybe you can just make it a little bit better and maybe it's not necessary. Maybe it's not so obvious what it is and trying to discover that it's a, it is a, it is a almost a lifelong journey because you're working with something that is not necessarily an immediate result. You know, the yeast you're working with a microorganism to make something happen. And you have to figure out ways to, you know, improve that process and make a better environment for that microorganism to do what it's gonna do. So be it, you know, we put a lot of effort into figuring out our water situation, a lot of effort figuring out what how the yeast acts and how it actually ferments and what's the best environment for it. You know, how do we, how do, we do all these things? And it's, always the answer isn't right there in front of you. You have to kind of dig around for it. You got to go take some courses. You got to talk with other brewers. You have to figure it out. And, you know, that's one of the, what's one of the big, uh, one of the cool things about this industry is because everybody is kind of helpful when you go out and you seek the information. So, so yeah, that is going to continue to be one of my missions here in the, in the next few years, you know, looking down the road. It's, it's always about expanding and, and different things like that. We're dabbling in, in uh, distribution at the moment. 
you know, we distribute locally and in, in some local little bottle shops. And we have a, a few beers, a few beer shops in Richmond that we distribute to. So getting into that, but that's, you know, also a double-edged sword. Many a brewery have, have overreached in their distribution and ended up having to shut down because they couldn't keep up with the demand or they couldn't, you know, they weren't, they had invested all this money into this uh, distribution, the equipment you need for distribution and ended up uh, the sales weren't matching what they were, what they needed to make up. And then they end up having closed down, you know, so you don't want to, you don't want to overreach, but it's kind of nice when, you know, people are talking about your beer in a, in a shop down the street, you know, so that's always really cool. And we're getting, we're getting into the, into the community or that's, you know, getting into the community and interacting with a lot more people all over, you know, in local bars and in, and in local little bottle shops. So that's really cool. Yeah, it's great to hear all that that's, that's happening like that. And it's just one of those things where I, I can't get enough of it. Like I hear this from different partners I've talked to as far as, you know, operating their businesses. And, and it's just wonderful. Like it always like really brightens my day to hear about all these collaborations and partnership opportunities that happen in Southwest Virginia. And that's one of the reasons I love living here. I think it, it, it's an unbeatable region that you might can see similarities in other places, but I think we have something very special and something very unique here. So thank you all so much for working so hard, you know, with each other and others out there. And it's just a wonderful thing to see that kind of collaboration come together. And I'm going to be sure to include in the show notes for anybody that's listening to find out a little bit about your information as far as your websites and social media. So I'll be sure to include those links. But in, in closing today, is there any last words you'd like to give anybody listening as far as to come out and experience your uh, your business or your passions or anything like that? I'll go, I'll go first this time. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So any advice for people trying to get into it, having been a person that spent a long time trying to get into this, it, any advice I would have is just keep first off homebrew. That is probably the first question anyone is going to ask you when you get into that. It's not a make or break. If you go to school or maybe, you know, you go to school for brewing or like Hannah said, you get a certificate. That's uh, you know, that is also really good. But home brewing and having an understanding of the basic process of brewing is the first step for sure. I mean, everybody we talk to, they're, oh, have you homebrewed? Oh, have you homebrewed? Who knows what, you know, what it's like to be there and develop a recipe and, and do all these kinds of things and see the whole process through, you know, that's, and just be familiar. Um, you know, a, a good place, uh, one of my assistant brewer, Stephen Moxley, he is actually started another one that started at Rising Silo. <laughs> he was a pourer there and worked there. He was a really hard worker. He's still a really hard worker, but he's, he was, we noticed very early on, he was a very hard worker and uh, he carried all the way through and ended up being hired over here at Eastern divide uh, as a cellar worker as well, cleaning tap lines and cleaning kegs and putting the hard work in. And then eventually now he's, he brews with me, he develops recipes. He's doing everything. He's a brewer through and through. And he just stepped in went, you know, slogging through the mud, did all the hard work and then came out on top. And, and now he's a brewer. And I think he's, this is something he's probably going to stick with the rest of his life. And that's how, that's how it starts for most of us. You just got to be able to put that work in. Um, but as, uh, Tokyo but as far, drift, yeah. So what <laughs> is Tokyo drift his? Yeah. Tokyo drift was his. I love that one. Yeah. He did a raspberry wheat he has a peach saison coming up. That's going to be really good. Um, so that, that's the kind of stuff he's coming up with. You know, it's, it's, he's, he's doing a good job. He does his research. He'll, he'll tell me things all the time that I'm like, what, where did you find that out? And he just goes, he knows how to dive into the, into the deep dark places of the internet and find the answers to, to stuff. I have no idea what he's talking about when he's like, Oh, I've read this subreddit or this. He's on brewers Reddit. That's what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, that's all it is, Brandon. <laughs> and I was like, it'll come up with these answers. There's a, what, how did you, where did you hear about that? And he's like, yeah, some guy on some guy on subreddit, you know, I just said, okay. <laughs> you know, so he's really good about this. I mean, he's, and he's very into um, intuitive about this, this kind of stuff. So um, that's another thing. I think a lot of people, maybe they don't quite understand about brewing is they think it's sitting there writing a recipe coming out and then, Oh, it's going to be magic and it's going to be great. And it's going to come out perfect on, but they don't think about all the underlying things 
that you have to kind of be aware of when you're brewing beer. And a lot of that is mechanical sense. You have to know how pumps work. You got to know how, you know, pressure and different things work. And, and sometimes that doesn't come easy to people. We had a guy that worked with us for a couple days and he just knew right off the bat that he's, you know what, this isn't for me. Um, cause it was a lot of different things that he just was not expecting. And he, he ended up, uh, figuring out early on that it wasn't for him just because he didn't have that mechanical sense. So it's not for everybody, but when you get in there and you actually get it, and if you like it, you're going to get that itch really quick. And then you're going to come in here and you're going to start doing it. So, but yeah, finding out more about what Eastern divide, um, you know, we have obviously our website. We're trying to increase our social media presence, being a little bit more on Instagram and Facebook. You can follow us there and uh, trying to be a little bit more involved in the, in the actual brewery side, getting the brewers more involved on the on the social media, because I am not well versed in social media and they keep trying to force me to do these things. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't I don't know. I don't know how to work. I don't know what the, the Instagram is, you know, and I just I have no idea. So they're trying to do it. They're trying to teach me a little bit more. It's just like, hey, just take a video of you doing something and just send it to me and I'll post it. I'm like, all right, cool. So, you know, more of that kind of stuff, you know, we're always changing, changing the menu or we release a beer basically every two weeks. Uh, so keeping up on that and hopefully we'll do something exciting here in the, here in the near future and increase our events and live music is finally coming back. So that's another good one too. So yeah, that's where you can find us and learn more about us. Um, I got a plug for like the, the cultural side of the thing. Um, as far as the, what we had getting into craft beer and then coming, coming out to, to see us. So the coming out to see us side of things, um, you know, we're, we're, we've drifted away from the, the dark smoky bar escapism culture. And it's really, really exciting. And it was touched on a little bit earlier <clears throat> as far as family and dog friendly and all of that. But, um, but it's really just refreshing to be able to say that, you know, Hannah, we're Hannah, we're Brandon, where I get to, to work and live and sometimes sleep is, uh, is a place where we now have this just kind of, you know, completely out in the open cultural experience for people to be able to hang out with each other, meet new people, uh, proudly be with their family, have a beer in their hand, uh, listen to live music. Um, and that, that just, it didn't really exist in this way before at all. Um, so there's a side to what we're doing that's kind of bigger than all of us that we're getting to contribute to. And it's super exciting. So as far as, you know, people coming out to see us, it's like where, wherever, whichever brewery you go to, try to, to think of it in that lens. You know, it's not like, you know, one way to say it would be if, if you aren't a bar person, don't assume that that means that you're not a brewery person because they're totally different. You know, this is not a bar scene anymore. This is a totally, completely new and, and different scene and situation. Um, and I think a lot of people might think that that's obvious or a given or, or whatnot, but I'm, I'm sure there's also some folks out there and I don't know about the generations and which age brackets or whatnot or, or anything like that. But, um, but I'm completely relieved and excited that it exists, you know, and that like me going to visit, um, Brandon or Hannah, you know, and like just the other night I grabbed, <laughs> I grabbed some food at a spot and it was, it was just so great. I mean, I didn't have the wife and kids on that one. I was just grabbing, grabbing some food and, and picking up a beer, but it's such a positive, pleasant, you know, enlightening experience every time, you know, and you're going to run into people and everybody's just having like, you know, I'll, I'll say like a, a very purely good time, just kind of broad daylight out in the open situation. So that cultural aspect to it, I think should, should definitely come up here and there. Yeah. That's all great insight and information. And, you know, talking about the cultural aspect of it, I think to kind of echo myself from earlier and some of the things you just said was that, you know, Southwest Virginia, the culture here is, is one of those things that I think we can pride ourselves on so much 
is just that it's just a unique place. And that's one of the things I try to get out to everybody is those stories of, you know, the people here are what makes Southwest Virginia so unique. And all three of you are prime examples of why this is such a wonderful location. <clears throat> Whether you live here or you're visiting here, you know, finding these stories is is the ultimate goal of what I, what my job is, is to help tell these stories and get them out to the world. So, you know, thanks for sharing everything you have here today. And for anybody listening, you know, definitely be sure to go out and support these small businesses and just enjoy the hard work and the years of passion and learning that they've put into the craft that they are putting out there today. Because one of the things we like to think of about these businesses is, you know, it's not just another product. This is actually a passion project. And that's something that you'll notice when you go out to these locations throughout the region and specifically these three breweries here is you're going to be able to tell about that passion behind it. Like hearing about Hannah's location where it used to be a kindergarten classroom and now it's a brewery or, uh, you know, Greg, your location out there on the farm and Brandon, your whole story behind how you got started and how you're growing this passion and learning now is just it's really unique experiences that you're not going to get anywhere else in the world. So great job to all of you. And thank you all so much for joining me today on the podcast. You know, I've, I've had a great time getting to learn about each of you and I cannot wait to get up to Montgomery County and, and try out some of your different uh, crafts that you have up there.